The dust of the pandemic is beginning to settle, and in some ways at least, life is beginning to feel normal. We're back in the office, taking holidays, and we've even started enjoying shopping again. But if we look a little bit closer, we can see that things aren't quite as they were. There's more tech in store, more integration of e-commerce, and we've even started seeing the lines between physical and online begin to blur. Indeed, it seems that diversity is the name of the game. But whatever new channels or experiences you're adopting, they have to be part of a bigger, cohesive picture. I sometimes feel quite surprised going into organisations and being told that their online division is separate to their in-store division. For me, the brand has values and a personality and that personality must come to life in all opportunities to communicate. This is Beyond Retail, the show that helps businesses make sense of the emerging trends and technological developments within the ever-changing retail and hospitality industry. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth, and in this season, we'll be exploring the shape of retail ambition and looking at how the lessons learned over the last two years are evolving the industry. In this season premiere, we'll be exploring how the explosion in diversifying channels in the face of a global crisis turned out not to be just a temporary emergency measure, but a recipe for future success. Ever since the introduction of the internet, the fight for sales dominance has been hotly contested among retailers. And with the nationwide store closures in 2020, many thought that the final blow to physical retail had been dealt. However, this narrative of online versus in-store doesn't reflect the reality of things. Some people prefer shopping online, some people prefer shopping in-store, and a lot of people like both. So even though consumers did have to pivot to online shopping when they were forced to, it wasn't a foreshadow of a permanent and universal culture shift. I've mainly just always done all my, all my shopping online. I've never really gone into stores. I mean, like, the most recent I went to a store was a couple months ago. So I'm shopping a lot more in person again, um, kind of easing, holding back on like, online shopping now. I feel like I can now go around, have a look again, browse again. I think uh, the virus has meant that everybody's done online shopping a lot more, but, but I think people will still want the experience of coming in. We, we really enjoy shopping in a city. So if being forced to shop almost exclusively online for the best part of two years didn't spell the end of physical retail, what did it mean for stores and restaurants? For Colin Neal, MD of Adyen UK, the pandemic was a moment of truth, a now or never moment. What the pandemic did is that when social distancing and lockdowns were enforced, the only avenue for people was to be able to consume digitally. And that then meant that as a retailer, you had a choice. You had to actually transform or potentially you wouldn't survive. And I think what we see during the pandemic is increased adoption of digital strategy inside of businesses. And what retailers began to learn and recognise was that your e-commerce web shop is your largest retail window. So how do you then utilise that window? So it's not to say that we didn't see anything that was interesting. What I guess we do say is that we didn't necessarily see anything that really surprised us. We just saw an acceleration of it. And one of the things that I do think is interesting is what happened to physical retail. So with rapid acceleration of digital transformation, physical retail is pulled in a new direction. 
we all remember the day where we'd go into a retail store and some of the friction that we felt, do they have the product that you want? Is it available in your size? Can you find a sales assistant? They're all friction points that all of us recognize. They translate into a digital world, but just differently. So how easy is the website to navigate? How easy is it to find the product that you want? How easy is it to check out? Those two worlds come together and retailers have to think about, actually, you also have some of the elements that cause friction inside of a digital world now translating into a physical world to understand how the two come together. So the one that's commonly talked about is how do we solve things like refunds in store? How do you solve endless aisle? How do you allow for a quick collection of product by translating online stock into an in-store collection? And I think those are the things that we do see post-pandemic is that real emergence of world. And that emergence of worlds has proven to be a benefit to many businesses. In fact, Adyen's latest retail report revealed that 49% of brands surveyed feel that they're in a better position today thanks to the investments they made in digital transformation during the pandemic. However, digital transformation isn't just something that can be done once and forgotten about. It needs to evolve in line with consumer habits and expectations. And those expectations, it seems are always changing. Consumer expectation is moving. Demand from consumer for everything to be immediate, you know, immediate delivery, immediate fulfillment, immediate availability of stock. There's a demand for things to be simple, quick, speed. Sometimes I think of it a little bit like if you kind of remember the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, where it was kind of running round, always saying it's late. It's kind of like a real epitome of what modern life is like. So this big demand for everything to be easy and quick. And you've only got to look in the digital world and look at things like how important it is to be able to check out quickly. And then you see the rise of digital wallet or you look at e-commerce and how important delivery services are as part of that. So as, as consumer expectation moves and evolves, we also need to remember that digital is a very competitive environment. Everything's available to you on your phone, in home. So as consumer expectations move and the competitive nature of retail changes, then actually you have to transform to keep up with that changing demand and changing competitive environment. So what exactly does that continuous development look like to a retailer? Here's Richard Sermon, head of IT at Crew Clothing, to describe how the fashion brand has had to adapt in order to meet changing consumer demands. Digital transformation obviously has been very prevalent to a lot of retailers over the last couple of years due to the COVID pandemic. It's been the only real revenue stream that we've been able to leverage effectively whilst we've been under lockdown and stores have not been able to be open. So it has put a lot more focus on retailers and specifically crew clothing as a business about what we need to do and achieve over the next few years should we experience a similar sort of lockdown again in the future. But also it shows the potential from a digital perspective of what we can do from a growth perspective. Digital transformation within our stores is very critical to us as a business moving forward because we haven't really had it in the past. It's a core focus from a both an IT and digital strategy perspective for crew. We need to actually make sure that we are delivering more knowledge to our store staff, what our customer behavior is, etc. And, you know, the customer expectation is that we can deliver 
a lot more to them, you know, a, a more tailored experience, both online and, and in person. But working on digital transformation didn't just mean opening up an e-commerce store and letting it be. The brand's online functionality is constantly evolving, offering new features and improving existing ones to ensure that the user experience is always first class and that it remains fit for purpose well into the future. So our digital transformation journey to date, while I've been at Crew, has been focused around improving the current flow on the website, making the user interaction a lot more seamless, ensuring the payments process is a lot faster. We, we did previously have a very clunky payment process where the basket checkout wasn't always as effective as it possibly could be. We're also obviously looking to introduce new payment types that we couldn't previously deliver. And we're also looking at what we can do to sort of make the website and our digital offering a lot more engaging to customers. We've identified that in order to enable the next growth stage for the business, we need to make sure we have a robust infrastructure and platform to deliver that growth strategy. So that's very critical to us. We want to make sure that we have an underlying architecture and solution that can deliver that business growth. One of the key strategies that we have as a business is that we want to move to more software as a service based architecture that runs on API driven technology, microservices that we can implement small elements of an application or build an application based upon subsets of a solution. So we don't have to take the whole product as a, as a massive beast, spend months or years developing it and integrating it with our existing systems. We can introduce it on a piecemeal basis so we can do one element now and then a couple of months later we can go, right, okay, well, we want to adapt that and introduce a new functionality, add that microservice in and it hooks up really quickly. The whole principle of what we're trying to achieve is making sure that it is forward thinking, fit for purpose and is robust. But should we need to improve it or enhance it, we can do it really quickly and on the fly. API driven technology is the way forward. You know, we should be real time. There shouldn't be all these old clunky servers where data files are being sat there for 15 minutes waiting for a script to pick them up and process them. It's, it's a bit daft in this day and age. For crew clothing, future-proofing the digital side of the business doesn't mean unveiling drastic changes in order to catch up with changing trends. It means having a solid base architecture that they can build upon with smaller updates in order to meet consumer needs in line with those trends, not as a reaction to them. And using technologies such as APIs allows for just that. And this kind of solution can feel like an intimidating one to try and tackle on your own, However, you don't have to. We are continuing on our strategy to either upgrade or replace a lot of our existing systems. We're on a big, big strategic growth plan, both from a business side of things and also from a technology perspective to improve our environment, make sure that it is robust and fit for purpose, but also looking at what new partners are coming out into the world looking at what they can do to help us move forward and working more as a partnership with our existing suppliers and any new ones that come along. I think the key to the success of any retail business is having tech partners that are forward thinking, that are looking at what is coming up in the future. 
take payments, for example, that is constantly evolving. There's always new payment channels and payment types coming out. You know, myself being a cryptocurrency advocate, I'm really excited to see how that comes into play one day in the retail sector. It will happen. It's just a matter of when. It's things like that where I want to have tech partners in place that thinking about this sort of thing and whether it will or won't happen that they're geared up and ready to introduce that type of solution to us as a business should we want to switch it on. Of course implementing new technologies and features for the sake of them isn't a recipe for success because you'll never see any returns on a technology that's never used or worse unfit for purpose. So the question is what do consumers want? What experiences do they expect? And how is this likely to evolve over the next couple of years? In lieu of a crystal ball, KPMG's Head of Consumer Markets, Leisure and Retail, Linda Ellett, is here to provide some insights. We look at the changes over the last two years or so, what we've seen is an acceleration of trends that were coming anyway. The first is online or use of digital purchasing. So these were trends we were starting to see, but with the pandemic, consumers were less able to purchase physically. And so they started to engage in digital methods and particular different groups. Maybe older consumers would try out digital for the first time and actually like using it. And actually now we see 56% of consumer interactions are conducted digitally. The second one that accelerated was really the interest in Um, sustainability. People became much more focused on the impact of products and that's accelerated as well. Those two trends around digital interactions and considering sustainability or environmental and social impact, they're definitely here to stay. But we have to be a little bit careful of making assumptions about what that would look like. I personally believe that consumers still value the physical interaction with products and that purchasing is about an experience. So digital will carry on, but it won't just be a case if we don't have any physical purchasing anymore. We'll have much more of a a blended interaction with that purchasing. On sustainability, this is a really interesting one because all the research tells us that consumers care more about this. So our data was telling us that so far this year, 20% of consumers are considering sustainability more when they're making a purchase. But equally, what we do see is that the, the trends around value, convenience and quality, they're still the three biggest purchasing drivers for consumers. And with a cost of living squeeze, we have to assume that actually there's going to be many consumers that can't afford to prioritise sustainability credentials. So I think that is going to come under pressure in the immediate term. But there is the desire from consumers to be considering it when they're buying things. And so I hope we continue to see businesses doing, working really hard to improve the sustainability credentials of products, because that that is what consumers want. So online and in-store buying aren't going anywhere. And sustainability is becoming increasingly top of mind when it comes to choosing which retailers to buy from. But consumers are also feeling the squeeze as the cost of living continues to rise, which begs the question, what is motivating shoppers to shop at all? So really it is around whether people can afford it or not. So whilst we can say, oh, it's good news that, you know, the research suggests the fourth biggest driver of purchasing decision is sustainability. It's fourth after value, i.e. cost, quality and convenience. And so really, if you've got cost at that top level, 
there are people that, as I say, are now struggling to make household budgets still work. And as a result, they're not going to be in a position to actually choose something that's more expensive, that's got greater credentials. Once you get into the people that can afford to treat themselves a little bit, what we see is that actually this can be a treat and they want to buy something that's in line with their personal values. And that can be seen as a positive. So rather than going out or some other kind of treat, actually, it's a treat to buy food that has good credentials. So really, businesses need to tap into that aspect of it. Shoppers are also indicating that they want to blur the lines between online and in-store purchasing. And they want the freedom to cross from one channel to the other. In fact, Adyen's retail report showed that 61% of consumers globally believe that if retailers could sell across multiple channels during the pandemic, they should adopt the same flexible approach normally. But as well as this, KPMG has also noticed that customers want something else, whether they're shopping online or in-store. Recognition and consistent brand experiences. What we've seen from consumers is that having experienced digital purchasing, they are continuing to want to uh, engage in products digitally. And often the journey will start with researching products online. Now, for some consumers, they will then continue and that will be an entirely digital purchase. For others, they then want to go into the store and experience the products and their final transaction does still happen in store. Of course, what we're also seeing is with the digital purchasing is people buying multiple products, a greater proportion of returns. And when we think about digital purchasing as well, it's not just all online and websites. It's also within specific apps. And one of the key things is that consumers expect you to know them through all of those different channels. There's no sense of you can just know them in a physical shop and separately online. They expect you to understand they are a single consumer across all those different routes of engaging with your brand, with your product, and ultimately transacting with them. You need to be having a consistent experience. So if in store you've got great support for buying products from the colleagues in store, it's important to replicate that experience in some way online so that customers can get the information they need, for example. But I think also there is a consumers choose which one for a different buying experience. So people online, they're generally looking, they're more price conscious, they're looking to purchase more quickly. And therefore, it's important to respond to that and and, and react to that desire. Whereas in-store, people are looking to maybe experience the products more. There is that kind of touch and feel, whether we're talking about clothing or fresh fruit, and therefore that's what matters. So it, it is a different experience. But if your brand stands for high quality and perhaps a higher price point, you need to make sure that's consistent across the two. You can't have a really low quality website or app that's not a great customer interaction because then you're simply not going to be able to support the brand image and the brand value that you're offering to consumers. The key to creating that uniform identity across retail channels relies heavily on the experience brands create in-store and online. This is vital for retailers, because the damage caused by poor experience doesn't remain isolated to just one channel. In fact, it can have devastating effects across multiple channels. And Adjun's research found that 70% of consumers would stop shopping with a brand completely if they encountered a bad shopping experience online or in-store. But what is the solution to getting the retail experience right? 
for that, we turn to one of the UK's leading business experts, Kate Hardcastle, the customer whisperer. I sometimes feel quite surprised going into organisations and being told that their online division is separate to their in-store division and they don't seem to come together that often. For me, a brand is a brand. The brand has values and a personality and that personality must come to life in all opportunities to communicate and every single time it needs to be consistent or you look like you've multi-personas and that doesn't fit well for the consumer. So I still think there's work to do in many organisations on the realisation of how you really live and breathe in the same way for consumers in different channels. And yet there are some people in organisations that are doing that brilliantly. And I think it's all about taking it as simplistically as possible. You've got to understand that our consumers are overloaded with information. They have a lot to deal with. They have a lot to process. So an overload of information, either in-store or online, just will not work. It's got to be about that simplicity of presence and making sure that it's so consistent and so clear that the consumer gets it without trying at every single point. Now, as much as that can be the domain for the luxury side of life, I think some of the value operators have done that brilliantly as well. Focusing on what matters, delivering that consistently every single day and making sure that no matter what the touch point is, somebody on a chat, somebody receiving an email from you, someone seeing your social media, someone communicating in store, it feels like the same business. Whether the customer is interacting with a chatbot online, exchanging emails with a customer service representative or talking to a sales assistant in store, each touch point needs to keep its messaging to the customer clear and consistent. Keeping this in mind is a good first step, but customers have a range of needs beyond experience. So what else do shoppers want? It always depends which part of the Apple core of retail you're looking at when we talk about what the customer wants. Obviously, we've got a wealth of value operators who, whilst very much focusing on price, have really added to their offer in terms of experience, product lines, speed to market. So they've really taken on a lot of the tools and techniques that were once just in the marketplace for middle market and upwards, and they've become part of their territory. We know that kind of middle market in a lot of territories, has lost its way a little bit. And it really has to stand for something more these days. Is that going to be for brands in terms of the way they operate and engage online? Is that going to be the way they evolve their store mechanic? That is all up for debate. And the luxury premium where we have a lot of clients as well is exceptional experience and service. And that's a very exciting dynamic. We always talk about the way we've seen over time these big catalysts of change really affect and evolve the way that business operates. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest changes because for me, luxury doesn't have to be confined by a store environment or even an online environment. Is it the metaverse? Is it the way that people effectively socialize or travel? What's going to be the first retail experience that's purely about a leisure stay in a hotel, for instance? So I think this is a real line in the ground moment of how retail, already part of everyday life, 
rids itself of its boundaries and starts to really change and evolve. And indeed, brands have been evolving, though not always for the better, as Kate explains. I saw the good, the bad and the ugly of technology arriving in stores during the pandemic and post-pandemic. We've seen some absolute brilliant uses of tech that's come in to be able to enable and free up team members that has provide less contact operations that have helped check stock or seen customers go beyond self-checkout into self-service and self-checkout. And certainly have seen many consumers appreciative of that. The reason I say I've seen the bad and the ugly as well is because it's got to work for you as an organisation, for the consumer. It's got to make sense. And I think it's also not got to completely take over the human element and the human interaction because there's so much added sales benefit. So when I've seen consumers unable to connect with a piece of technology because it's not working properly and I've seen them down baskets and go, it's frustrating. When I've seen what I call the sea of black screens, which is somebody's gone in from a technology company or head office to make sure it's all working, should work beautifully, but then on a store level, no one knows how to operate that or can maintain it or has charged it that night. And you just see these black screens out there. It's a wasted opportunity. And also when I see cold transactions, and what I mean by that is that the person has gone in, they've managed the technology and they've left, but you can't help but feel there was some spark missing to all of that. And there could have been some magic. Magic moments are so important. They really do create the talkability and the excitement around what good old fashioned retail can be. I'll always be an advocate for online. I believed in it from the very start, but I feel that there's a beautiful partnership for both online and in-store and beyond together. Introducing technology into the store environment requires so much more than just plugging your new solution in and letting it run. A large part of a successful integration comes down to education, and not just of the staff, but education of customers too. And it's through this approach, Kate says, that businesses could set themselves up for success. I think it's very important that organisations understand the huge opportunity around communication. I think it's valid for me to remind people how simplistic it can be. I head into organisations that have some of the smartest technology, some of the smartest people. But when I go through that consumer experience, I receive emails that are cut, copy and paste I see receipts still with the same information that's always been there on the back for 20 years. I see missed interaction and engagement opportunities every day that wouldn't cost a lot of money, that may take a little time, but could start to layer in the absolute opportunity to really drive those authentic, multifaceted branded messages we want to get across. So to anyone listening maybe trying to weigh up how do they get that next piece of technology to be something they can invest in when they've got all this other work to do, I'd say keep it simple. I think you've still got some real smart moves you could make that would be so effective, would cost very little in addition to the great work you're moving forward with technology and yet would deliver brilliantly for your customers. I'm excited about this next 12 to 18 months because I think it could be change that we've needed for a long time. And when we're talking about technology, Kate is absolutely right about keeping it simple. 
Because when it comes to consumers' actual expectations about experience and in-store tech, they're not asking for the world. I think I expect, I guess, staff to list like clean more, swipe surfaces more and... You want it to be clean and the shelves well stocked. Um, certainly if there are sort of assistance, people will be polite. I feel like there should be lots of different ways to pay. There should be more um, rather than like a self-checkouts. Uniqlo has a quite nice one where you just throw it in and then it scans it on its own so you don't have to literally scan everything. So I like that. I guess payment options, it's mainly by card now. Um, I guess just like an easy shopping experience. Like I hate having to traipse through everything to find what I'm looking for. By all accounts then, digital transformation in-store and integration between brands' physical and online offerings are the way forward. And as Adyen's research found, 55% of shoppers say they're more likely to shop with retailers that use technology to improve experience. So the argument for undertaking such transformation has never been stronger. But how far do brands need to take it? What is the end goal? To find out, we turn once more to Adyen's Colin Neal. I think what's interesting is you almost assume there's an end point. I don't necessarily think there's an end point. So it is a journey. If you start with a view that all of this is driven by the consumer, changing consumer behaviour and adapting to that consumer behaviour, then consumer behaviour is going to continue to change. So therefore, your journey is not going to stop. And I think the key to that is to say, so if it's not a sprint and it's just a journey, what you have to do during that is understand what is it you want to achieve. Where are your greatest pain points? What are some of the low-hanging fruit that you can deliver on that journey? And making sure that as part of that, and I think this bit is really important, is that is that what you have in your, we'll call it suppliers, is actually partners that have got really agile technology. Because what you want is those partners to be with you on that journey. It's quite common in the payment sector still to see things like businesses going to tender. And I definitely think it's right for any retailer to go and look for what's possible. But what that also does as a supplier inside of that is it makes sure that actually you always have to be on your game. You've always got to make sure that you're as consumer-centric as the retailer to make sure that what you're delivering is agile technology that's ahead so that you can support any retailer on their transformation. It's not a sprint. It's just a journey, and transformation doesn't necessarily have an endpoint, it just has a life cycle. That continuous life cycle, to many brands, might sound like a lot of time, effort, and money to maintain. But as we've already established, this isn't something they need to figure out on their own, and there are partners out there who can offer a lot in terms of support and opportunity. If we look at it more like a, an ecosystem, so in order for a retailer to transform digitally, depending what they do, there are core systems that they may need to change. That may be their ERP, that may be their payment system, that may be their finance system. Indeed, the finance system and the ERP may fundamentally be one and the same. They may have to change their warehousing system in terms of how they manage delivery to consumers. So all those elements need to be considered. So where partners see some of the benefit that other suppliers or partners can bring. So 
an e-commerce platform being pre-integrated to a payment platform or an e-commerce platform having a pre-integration to a warehousing solution or a payment system having a pre-integration to a finance system where any of those partners see the benefit of integrating to another partner that ultimately has upside for the retailer because it's less technical integration work that they need to do. It's less heavy lifting. And I think that's some of the benefit you see in the wider partner ecosystem. It's not just about you as a supplier and the relationship that you have with that merchant, with that retailer. It's about the relationship you have with other parties where together they can help you deliver. Just think of a really basic example where you think about a retailer who wants to open stores in another country. If they can work in another country, but they're integrated to a payment provider who can't work in that country, it's a problem for the retailer. So actually having an integration for, as just a really easy example, but a till system having an integration to a payment provider who can walk with them into all of the other countries without having to do any extra integration work, that is only upside as part of any retailer's transformation. The opportunities that digital transformation affords, coupled with the ease of integration that tech partners can allow, might have many brands wondering how they too can start or boost their transformative efforts. The simple answer is to find a tech partner who can offer the integrations that your brand needs. But not all partners are created equal. What you don't want is a partner who you feel like is just there to sell you something. What you want to do is you want a partner who actually is very invested in you, in the journey that you're trying to create, in their success being linked to your success. And they should be really interested in your growth because your growth ultimately drives our growth. And I think a good partner should be flexible. They should be able to maneuver around you. They should be customer centric. And all I mean by that is that the retailer is the one that is crafting the customer journey. They are the ones who are interacting directly with the customer. Technology is great and it takes you so far, but the sales assistant talking to the customer on the sales floor, they know how it feels. They know what it is. All we or anyone else does is provide a piece of technology. So if your ears aren't open to listen to what that interaction is and what that interaction needs to be, then I don't really think you're a partner. So I think that's really what matters. So with that better understanding of how to choose the right partner, what other advice does Colin have for brands looking to start out on their own transformational journeys? You need to make sure that your project's really joined up. So you have to have the right teams from the business involved in the project. It's no point looking to implement a new payment provider that gives you all the payment methods that you want across the globe and then not talking to finance and then finance knock at your door when it's all beautiful in retail and say, we actually can't work out what we're being paid. I also think you need to be clear what your risk appetite is inside of the project. Transformation is a journey and in any project, the milestones that you want to deliver against they won't always land well first time. And I think some of the most successful projects that we observe is retailers who are agile and they're willing to iterate a little. And we see some great examples of that from across our retailers as they begin to adapt their retail space. And then the thing that I always say, and I probably sound like a broken record, but I think it's really important that you think like the customer. 
if you get too heavily involved in your tech, there's a risk that your tech becomes too complicated. And I think if you always begin with the consumer perspective first, then it helps you understand what you're trying to do. And some of the best challenges we ever get from some of the partners that we work with is around what does that feel like for my customer? He's my customer journey. He's your bit in it. How does this feel? And that keeps you grounded and it keeps you real. Our guests have given us tremendous insight into the new expectations of consumers and what this means for businesses and their transformations. Shoppers want seamless cross-channel journeys between online and physical stores, and they want consistency across their digital and in-store retail experiences. But while these trends and the solutions they created seemed to be born from the pandemic, they had already, in fact, been a long time coming. And though the challenges in meeting these expectations might seem large, a simple approach and a good tech partner could set businesses up for long-term success. While diversification has been a key factor in retail's recovery and its future potential, it's just one of many factors we'll be exploring in this series. So join us next time as we discover how brands can prove to consumers that they're worthy of long-term loyalty. One of the things I've really noticed is loyalty is harder to come by. Loyalty is really harder to come by now. And the people that are loyal, they're not necessarily the people that are buying from you over and over again. They're people that maybe like believe in your brand and believe in what you stand for. That's next time on Beyond Retail. You've been listening to Beyond Retail. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed on today's episode, visit adyen.com or follow the link in the show notes. A big thank you to our contributors, Colin Neal, Richard Sermon, Linda Ellett and Kate Hardcastle. And join us next time as we discuss all things loyalty and find out what loyalty means to customers and brands and how exactly retailers can build trust with more than just reward schemes. I'll see you then.